Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show, road show today. Thank you to everyone uh, who tuned in yesterday. I'm up here in New York doing The Five. I appreciate everyone who tuned into The Five yesterday. I'll be on today, Friday, again on The Five, co-hosting the show, and I'll be in for Hannity tonight as well at 9 p.m. on Fox. Deeply, deeply appreciate. Much love out there to the audience, all your support. You always make us number one when we're on there, so thanks a lot. Uh, Listen, folks, this is a huge news day. I'm sure a lot of you tuned into Hannity last night. I was a guest last night as well, and you found out about the Bruce Orr 302s coming out. What does this mean? What does this mean for all of us? It basically means that Bruce Orr was a senior-level DOJ official whose wife was working for the company hired by Hillary Clinton to sabotage Donald Trump. His interviews with the FBI, the notes, the 302s, which is the numerical designation of interview summaries, were released yesterday. And there is some absolutely damning information. I promise you is going to blow your darn socks off today. Stay tuned. Got a lot of screenshots, some videos to throw in here and stuff. It's going to get very, very, very deep in the weeds, but it's going to blow your minds. The craziest spy story ever told. Um, All right. Today's show, first off, brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot going on right now. We've seen all this unrest, all this craziness out there. Of course, we're involved in the middle of storm season, especially down where I am in Florida. That's some crazy weather up here. We've got blackouts up in New York where I am today. Folks, you have to be prepared. You ensure everything in your lives that matters. Think about it, right? You ensure your health. You have dental insurance for your teeth, car insurance, insurance for your home. We have insurance for the things in life that matters. How can you not have insurance for your food supply? That makes absolutely no sense. Use the emergency food supplier I use, My Patriot Supply. They have a special limited time offer for you today. I prepare with My Patriot Supply. They revolutionize preparedness with an industry-leading line of food storage, water filtration, and products you will maybe need at some point. Get yourself that security of a food insurance plan. Right now, save $100 on a four-week emergency food plan. This four-week emergency food kit includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, all you need for you and your family, and it lasts up to 25 years in storage. Don't ignore the writing on the wall. Give yourself peace of mind today. Save $100 at preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Preparewithdan.com. Go there today. Pick up your four-week emergency food kit. Don't be caught in the middle of an emergency situation with no food for you or your family. Big mistake. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. So the 302s were released last night. And uh, again, assuring you that you have not been wasting your time here. The movie script theory looks to be correct. What is the movie script theory? I was on Fox and Friends this morning and I addressed this. Um, I found it quite odd, me and a couple of my sources that I've been dealing with, that the dossier prepared to attack the Trump team, prepared by people hired by Hillary Clinton, resembles this article you'll see on the screen from the Wall Street Journal. Now, I want you to notice something about this Wall Street Journal article. The Wall Street Journal article there was written in 2007. What is it? How Soviets help woo, uh, how, how lobbyists help ex-Soviets woo Washington. Look at the author, ladies and gentlemen. Look at the date. Glenn R. Simpson and his wife, Mary Jacoby, April 17, 2007. 2007, 12 years ago, this piece was written. I refer to this piece often because it is staggering the overlap between the information, the content in this Wall Street Journal article and the dossier. And by content, I mean the names that appear in the article are some of the same names that appear in the steel information in the dossier. Some of the same names in that article are some of the same people who appear targeted by Bob Mueller and, uh, and Andy McCabe and the FBI crew. Folks, what happened here? And what we now have additional evidence I'm telling you is true. 
is that the Clinton team was shopping around for a movie script. In other words, they had to stick Donald Trump in as the enemy in a movie that was already pre-prepared. Why did they need a movie script? You may say, I don't get it. Why do you keep using this movie script analogy? Because ladies and gentlemen, they're trying to frame Donald Trump for a crime he didn't commit. So what better way to do it than to go to a pre-prepared crime movie script? Hey, let's write this story about robbing a bank and let's just say Trump did it. And let's use this guy Simpson, who already has this movie script, already has this information, let's use him and his company to prepare this information, and then let's put a face on it which makes the information look legitimate. Because remember, a movie script isn't going to be credible if people think it's a movie. It's only going to be critical, critical uh, excuse me, uh, credible if they think it's based on a true story. Now, I, when I said we have more information, I want you to look at this. So last night, the 302s get released. I was going through them last night. Got some great information for you. Here are a couple screenshots that are key. Here's screenshot number one. And I want to compare this to the movie script again to show you how they just stuck Donald Trump's name in and a bad guy in a story they wrote 12 years ago because the story is totally made up. And then they put a face on it. Let me wait before I get to that. I don't mean to bounce around, but this is really important. You get this. They had nothing on Trump. So they go and stick him in as a bad guy in this movie they wrote in 2007. But in order for the movie script to seem legitimate, they have to put a face on it. The face they put on it is Christopher Steele. Why? Because that's why it's called the Steele dossier. Right? It's not called the Simpson dossier, even though this is Simpson's information. Steele had already worked with the FBI. He had been a credible source in the past on the soccer case, the FIFA corruption case, the, the international body that governs soccer. So Christopher Steele was a credible director, producer, actor. He gave the project bona fides, putting Steele's name on the dossier. Folks, it's not Steele's information. I want to show you how this hurt happened. And I say that because we now know, according to these 302s last night, that Nellie Orr put Bruce Orr's wife, who's also working for Fusion GPS and with Steele, that Nellie Orr put together a dossier herself on Paul Manafort. I can almost guarantee you Nellie Orr had significant input into these 302s, this information, and the Steele dossier as well. You might as well have called it the Orr-Simpson dossier. Okay, going back to screenshot one from the Orr 302s last night, because this is devastating. Check this out. I'm going to read it off my screen here. Orr met in Washington, D.C. in late September, possibly close to the time when the Yahoo's news article was published on September 23rd, 2016. During that meeting, Redacted advised the Alpha server in the U.S. is a link to the Trump campaign and Sergey Milian's Russian-American organization in the U.S. used the Alpha server uh, two weeks ago. Uh, now, I, I'm going to get to the second part of it. Keep that, keep that handy, Paul. But co come back a minute. So, Alpha Bank. Here we go again with Alpha. Alpha is this company, this conglomerate in, the, in, in Russia. Alpha is a major, major player. And again, what's alleged to be the Steele dossier, but what I'm telling you is the Simpson or dossier. Steele's face is on it only because he was a credible source in the past. Does this make sense, Paula? Is the audience on Budsman now? You have to take Joe's spot because we, we're in road shows. I can't use Paula says it makes sense. Steele's face is on the information. It is not his information. It is Simpson's. Check it out. Uh, if you would, go to the first screenshot from the movie script piece, the Wall Street Journal movie script piece. So Alpha Banks playing a key role in what Bruce Orr, so you understand what you just read. These are Bruce Orr interviewing with the FBI. These are the notes of that. You just saw that, where Bruce Orr is saying, oh, Christopher Steele told me this thing about Alpha Bank and something about Alpha Bank, that Alpha Bank, oh, look where, Al oh, oh, look at this. Look where Alpha appears again. Here's a snippet from the Wall Street Journal piece in 2007, written by who? Christopher Steele? No, 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 written by Glenn 
Simpson, but I thought it was the Steele dossier. Here we go. Leonid Raymond, a powerful member of Russia's cabinet and close ally of Putin, uses a Washington public relations consultant. Raymond is under federal investigation in the U.S. over money laundering and is locked in a high-stakes battle with Moscow conglomerate Alpha for control of a Russian's telecommunications empire. Alpha has paid Barbara Griffith and Rogers, their lobbying firm, co-founded by Mississippi Governor Haley Barber, nearly $2 million in lobbying fees. You, you, you get it? You dig? You may say, oh, so what? You got Alpha Bank, this character repeating in the movie script and then appearing again in steel. Remember, air quotes, steals information. Oh, there's more, folks. There's Manafort. There's Furtash. A whole bunch of people who appear in this 2007 piece that reappear later in this investigation against Donald Trump, despite having little to no connection, with the exception of Manafort, to the Trump team at all. They desperately needed a way to collect uh, to connect Alpha, who they wrote about Glenn Simpson in 2007, this this Russian conglomerate that was involved in an influence operation in the United States. They needed to connect Alpha to Donald Trump because Alpha is part of the movie script. So what do they do? Steele, as you saw, if you can pull up again that OR302, the original one, Steele tells Bruce Orr, no, listen, Alpha's got this communication server in Trump Tower. Ladies and gentlemen, this story has been debunked six different ways from Sunday. The Alpha Bank server, was it was like a spam mail connection, nothing to do with Trump, a secret back channel to Alpha at all. But here we go again, Steele telling Orr or telling the FBI that during that meeting, they advised the Alpha server in the U.S. is a link to the Trump campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been debunked over and over and over again. That Alpha Bank story is garbage. Even the anti-Trump managers at the FBI who hated the guy said that the Alpha Bank service story is nonsense. Those were spam emails sent everywhere. There was no illicit connection. The illicit connection was Glenn Simpson and Christopher Steele as a face on this information, trying to connect previous actors in the 2007 movie script piece to Donald Trump today. Oh, there's a server in Trump Tower and Alpha Bank sent an email. So what? They could have sent a spam email to anybody. Does that mean you're colluding with the Russians? Folks, this is a scam. The movie script theory is true. All right. Uh, back to that OR302, the original one. There's another important point. I've got a bunch to go to here. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but it's important. The second part of this is critical, too. The FBI at multiple points during the FISA warrant on all the original FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team and the three additional recertifications they applied for. They clearly put in the footnotes, they had no, quote, no derogatory information about Steele. Why is this important, ladies and gentlemen? Keep this up if you don't mind. This is important because Steele is the face of Simpson and Orr's information. It's not Steele's info. It is clearly information Simpson has already known about as far back as 2007 in the movie script. Steele's credibility cannot be assailed. Steele has to be that guy Steele has to be the guy, the unassailable credibility. He has to be the guy that was the prior FBI source, and they can't possess derogatory information, which is fascinating because if you look at the second part of this interview they did with Bruce or the FBI, it's pretty clear, although they said they had no derogatory information, they clearly did. Let me read this. Interview of Bruce Orr. This is by the FBI, November 22nd, 2016. Steele was, quote, desperate that Donald Trump not get elected and was passionate about him not being the president. Or believes redacted 
that uh, Steele wanted to blunt or foil the Kremlin's plans. Simpson and, and Redacted could have met with Yahoo or Michael Lizikoff jointly, but Orr does not know if they did. Orr provided copies of notes he took after the meeting with Redacted, which are enclosed as attachments. But let me get this straight. The Bureau raised their right hand and swore, swore in court documents that this information was true in the court document. And in the court document they filed with the FISA court, clearly laid out a footnote saying they possess no derogatory information about Steele, despite the fact that Orr had told them in a written 302 that Steele's intentions were not intelligence gathering. Steele's intentions were political. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize what a bombshell this is? Again, the word bombshell is overused. But it's only less bombshelly because this case is so horrendous that even big bombshells get lost in the nuclear blast of the fact that the United States government spied on a presidential candidate and the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Understand what you're being told there. The FBI went into court to swear on a warrant to spy on a presidential campaign team and the president of the United States through the two hop rule. They did it, said they possessed no derogatory information about a source they were well aware was likely not the source of the information. And then not only lied about the source not being the source, but lied about the source's credibility because the source had already told him he wasn't engaged in intelligence gathering, that it was a political operation. (sighs) Folks, this is just staggering, staggering stuff. Let me put up the second screenshot from the OR 302s. There are tons of these. I'm going to get to more of them on Monday. Please don't listen to the show again. Sorry about the visuals and the, the road show, but I don't want to miss these video shows and the ability to interact with you and all of these screenshots. It helps on the video program, youtube.com slash Bongino. Let's put up the second screenshot. This is important from the OR 302s. There's some more critical information here because you're going to see, again, names and, 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 and theories creeping up in both the movie script piece and in these screenshots. Again, this is from the interview of Bruce Orr on December 12th, 2016. Remember, Orr's interviewed over a six-month period, November through the following year by the FBI. These are the notes we now see last night. According to Simpson, much of his collection about the Trump campaign ties to Russia comes from, and it's redacted. Simpson does not know his name. So that's redacted in there. A former Trump campaign official, possibly Rick Wilson, I think they got that name wrong, was talking about how some of Trump's ties to Russia and the Trump campaign tried to sue him for violating his NDA. This is where this gets super interesting, ladies and gentlemen, because it reinforces theory number two I have, hat tip 279. (laughs) He's always coming through in the clutch. A Russian senator and mobster named Torshin may be involved in running the Central Bank of Russia. Torshin's name comes up in law enforcement organized crime circles, as he is well known in his famous Spanish case showing showing linkages with Russian organized crime, Torshin and the Russian government. Torshin may have funneled Russian money to the NRA, National Rifle Association, to use in support of Trump. An NRA lawyer, redacted, found out about the money pipeline and was very upset. But the election was over by the time she learned of it. Folks, why is this relevant? This is the number four official in the Department of Justice repeating a debunked conspiracy theory. Ladies and gentlemen, the lawyer they're talking about is clearly Cleta Mitchell, who was a lawyer for the NRA, who has under no uncertain terms said she was not upset about it. She had no idea what they were even talking about. Show that again. They're talking about Cleta Mitchell. This is a debunked conspiracy theory that the NRA lawyer was worried about Russian money coming into the NRA. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not true. This is a debunked nonsense conspiracy theory. No one at the NRA has been charged with laundering money for the Russians. Nobody. I used to work at NRA TV. I don't work there anymore. 
It's a disclosure. It's I'm just, just to be honest, it's nothing to do with how I'm covering this at all. The NRA was involved in a Russian money laundering scandal. I'd be the first to talk about it right now. The lawyer here, listen, an NRA lawyer redacted. I'm telling you the name. It's Cleta Mitchell found out about the money pipeline, which doesn't exist, by the way. It's a fairy tale and was very upset. But the election was over by the time she learned of it. She has 1000% debunked this nonsense conspiracy theory. Why am I telling you this? And why is this relevant now? Because folks, theory number one I've had, which is looking absolutely confirmed by the day that this was a movie script and a movie script from the start is apparently now correct, which I never had any doubt. And, And folks, please, please pick up my second book, please. Exonerated. I put a lot of work into it. I'm not shilling anything for you. If you want to buy it, fine. If you don't have any money, I get it. It's not a, It's not that expensive. I put a lot of work into it. This is all in there. The movie script theory in my second book, Exonerated. It's available now. It'll be out in a few weeks. Uh, Exonerated. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and else will pick it up. You will be stunned in what's in there. They tried this before. Why is this important? Important because theory number two is that Bob Mueller's entire job and the DOJ, not just Bob Mueller, from day one was never to investigate Russian collusion, ever. Bob Mueller's entire job, entire job, was to lend credibility and put meat on the bone of what he knew was a debunked dossier. How would you do that? If you were an investigator, ladies and gentlemen, put your FBI, Secret Service, DEA shoes on for a minute. Put your legal shoes on. If you're Bob Mueller and the DOJ and your whole purpose is to cover the DOJ and the FBI's butts, knowing they used a debunked, discredited movie script, how would you save their reputation? Think about it. You would save their reputation by going out and arresting the people involved in the dossier and the, and the movie script, even if you're arresting those people on charges entirely unrelated to Russian collusion. Why? Why would you do that? Because then you could go back later on, Bob Mueller, the DOJ, and elsewhere and say, well, listen, the DOJ and the FBI screwed up using a fake dossier movie script from 2007 to spy on the president. But look, Maria Butina from the F- from, with the NRA, remember the Russian they arrested with the red hair? Look, we got her. She's Russian. She clearly has Russian connections. And look, this NRA thing, it had to be real. Look, Mike Flynn was definitely doing something wrong. I mean, we arrested him for lying to the FBI. None of these people have been arrested for Russian collusion. Now, I'm going to get to Mueller in a little while, too, how Mueller's in a little bit of trouble as well. But I'm not done with the movie script yet. So follow me. We have two takeaways here. Again, number one, the movie script theory is right. It has been right from the start. My sources nailed this from day one. This whole thing was based on a 2007 movie script otherwise known as a Wall Street Journal article written by Glenn Simpson. They simply tried to connect it to Trump and made all of these ridiculous assertions. Second, Mueller was not investigating collusion from the start. He was trying to uh, investigate and arrest people involved in the movie script to make the movie script appear legitimate and to give the FBI and DOJ an excuse. Hey, we screwed up on the dossier, but look, they were really bad guys. Wink and a nod. I've got more from the movie script. Um, don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Brickhouse Nutrition, the finest nutrition supplements on the market. I kid you not. They are my original, original sponsor. I love Brickhouse Nutrition. Their products are absolutely fantastic. The best product, I think, is Foundation. But you know what? Foundation's great. It's creatine ATP blend. It's my favorite. Make you look better, feel better, perform better. If you're not taking foundation, you're not looking, feeling, or performing your best, I assure you. But today, I haven't spoken about Field of Greens in a while. This is another tier one class supplement. It is fantastic. Folks, we all know 
fruits and vegetables, voluminous consumption of fruits and vegetables is the key to good health. We know that. Well, why don't we do it? Well, we don't do it because they're tough to prepare. They're perishable. You got to go shopping. Not all of us are great cooks. I'm terrible. Thank God my, my wife is a talented, uh, she, she can cook anything. I can't cook anything. So what's the secret? The secret is field of greens. It is a wonderful tasting. It's got a berry tinge powder. What? What are you messing with me? You are a good cook. You're a great cook. She's behind me. It's a berry tinge powder. It tastes delicious. I put it in green tea sometimes for a little pick-me-up. Sometimes I put it in a little V8. You can put it in water. You can put it in your protein shakes. It is a delicious tasting fine powder. Scoop it in. It is your fruit and vegetable insurance. It has all of these fresh, healthy vegetables. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't say this enough. It's not extract. In other words, it's not some crappy garbage, second-rate stuff. This is real, wholesome, quality fruits and vegetables ground up. They just take the water out. They dehydrate it. And you're eating quality. This is a food. This is not some kind of cheap extract pill. Go check it out at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Look and feel your best. Try Field of Greens. You need that fruit and vegetable insurance. It is important. Okay. Here's where this gets really, really really freaky. What's that? Okay. Sorry. Here's where this gets really, really, really freaky, ladies and gentlemen. Let me show you something. I'm trying to figure out what order to use this because I don't want to confuse Paula. Let me show you something from the movie script. Again, we're talking about the same characters. The movie script analogy works. These people who appear in this 2007 article appear later connected to Donald Trump and this collusion investigation, although they're not involved with Donald Trump or the collusion investigation at all. What are you doing back there? My daughter is actually creeping up on me. Come here. You want to say hello? Say hello to you. Look at her. Yeah, come here. Say hello. Show, this is what my daughter looks like with you. I love her. Check him out. Say hi. There you go. And my daughter wants to say hello. She's all right. All right. Okay, let daddy finish the show now. All right. The road shows, folks. We're not going to miss out on the opportunity to get you some good content. There she is. She's creeping on me now. Look at the, uh, look, look, Paula, put up the global options piece, if you don't mind, from the movie script. Here again, back to the 2007 Wall Street Journal article. I want to read this from you, and I want you to pay special attention to the names that keep creeping up again and again and again. Here we go. Global options has worked with former Soviet, Soviet businessmen in the past. Again, this is from the 2007 Glenn Simpson piece. In 2004, Mr. Livingstone said lobbyists at Barbara Griffith introduced global options to a Cyprus-based firm called High Rock Holdings. High Rock is controlled by Dimitrio Fertash. Oh, gosh, I've heard that name before. A Ukrainian businessman who acknowledges the company's major shareholders, once included Mr. Megolovich's wife. Sorry about the name. In 2003 to 2005, Mr. Fertash brokered several billion dollar deals between Gazprom and the government of Ukraine that netted big profits for High Rock and criticism from the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine uh, at the time for the deal's lack of transparency. Now, don't worry about the fine details of what that's saying. What they're basically saying is that this guy, Dmitryo Fertash, a uh, Ukrainian-connected uh, individual there, that he's involved in some lobbying efforts in the United States to influence people. Ladies and gentlemen, again, this is 2007, this article's written. Well, I saw a fascinating piece by our buddy John Solomon at The Hill. Creeped out yesterday. And these names, ladies and gentlemen, keep creeping up again in the Mueller probe and these influence operations. Let's check out this John Solomon piece at the Hill. Uh, this is just fascinating. It's why I always tell you, remember the names. 
So Glenn Simpson's very concerned about Demetrio Furtash in 2007, 12 years ago, in the same movie script they used to attack Donald Trump. And as we can see in Solomon's piece, again, it'll be in the show notes today. Here's the title. George Soros, there's his name creeping up again. Seek George Soros' secret 2016 access to state, the State Department, exposes big money hypocrisy of Democrats. John Solomon, August 7th, 2019. Okay, so follow me here. That's why I told you today's show is going to be a little complicated, but well, well worth your time. So back in 2007, Glenn Simpson, who in just a few years ago was paid by Hillary Clinton, to fabricate this story about Donald Trump being involved in Russian collusion goes right to his 2007 movie script again. In that 2007 movie script, he writes about this guy, Demetrio Furtash, who he believes is involved in trying to influence U.S. politicians. What does that have to do with George Soros trying to influence U.S. politicians? Well, for those of you who don't know who George Soros is, uh, is he's a very wealthy donor. He's a liberal, and he donates millions, if not hundreds of millions over the years to liberal causes. George Soros's name creeps up in a lot of these uh, activist type organizations. His money is filtered through the Democrat Party. He has been involved as an influence peddler in the United States for a very long time. Now, nothing wrong. I'm not alleging he's done anything illegal. You know, there are Republican donors as well. But what I find interesting in this John Solomon piece, if you don't mind going to this uh, portion of the piece, is look at the names. It's amazing how the script players, the actors in the 2007 movie script just keep appearing today. So George Soros, according to Solomon's piece, had unusual access to the State Department, who we now know the State Department was a central figure, Kathleen Kavalek, Jonathan Weiner, and others. They were relaying Steele's information to the FBI, too, in the State Department. So keep this up. So George Soros, liberal donor, John Solomon alleges, has very deep, detailed contacts with the State Department who are working with Soros about some foreign overseas activities. Listen to this, quoting the Solomon piece. Pay attention to the names, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to knock your socks right off. Likewise, Soros set out a bold vision in an internal 2014 memo for his Open Society Foundation to help root out corruption in Ukraine. Remember Ukraine, folks? The same government that was helping lock up, uh, get, Paul, get Paul Manafort investigated. Remember that? We already know that because Nellie already admitted it. They were looking to build a civil society after the Maidan revolution as ousted the country's Russian-friendly president. The, they're talking about Soros' Open Society Foundation worked with DOJ officials to leverage the so-called kleptocracy initiative to fight corruption. The initiative enabled DOJ to prosecute or seek asset forfeitures from foreigners suspected of corruption, even if the crimes didn't technically occur on U.S. soil. Such initiatives are noble in principle, but in Ukraine, some targets had political and business implications as well. Listen to this, Jemski. Check this one out. For example, one DOJ investigation in 2014 targeted Ukrainian oligarch Dmitryo Fertash. Oh, wow. Here we go. Another player in the dossier in the movie script, whose name creeps up again. Oh, and he just happens to be the guy who had significant business interests with George Soros in Europe and rival plans to build Ukraine. So in other words, hold on, keep this up there. So in other words, Dmitryo Fertesh is a rival of a big liberal mega donor who has intimate access to the State Department that was intimately involved in passing Steele's information and Simpson's information into the FBI. Nothing to see here, ladies and gentlemen, nothing to see at all. 
It goes on. After Firtash's indictment, Soros business, Soros's businesses announced plans to invest $1 billion in Ukraine. Since then, significant problems have arisen with the DOJ's case against Firtash, thwarting efforts to extradite Firtash to the U.S. for trial. Notably, the case was BS against Firtash. What have I been telling you from the start? Listen, I, it's not about, it's really, I'm not interested in like back, I just, patting myself on the back. I'm just interested in you patting yourself on the back because I don't want you to think the hours of show prep and investigation we put into the books in this show has been a waste of your time. I've been telling you from the start that this is a bigger story than Donald Trump. My original book was called Spygate, not Trumpgate, because the Obama administration's use of extra governmental figures as influence operation people to, to attack and combat their political and economic enemies is long, long predates Donald Trump. So a liberal mega donor, George Soros, whose political and economic arch rival, Demetrio Firtash, Soros has access to the State Department. The State Department then goes goes uh, uses uh, is used to attack Donald Trump the same state department that's feeding the information to the FBI that also as far back as 2014 is investigating Soros's economic rival in Ukraine and by the way the same guy that appears in uh, Christopher Simpson's movie script in 2007 that also appears in in Steele's information and the dossier type information Fertash, you may say, how does steel, how does Fertash reappear outside of this 2014 investigation? Fertash is alleged to be some cutout for Russians and elsewhere because he's friendly with Paul Manafort, has some kind of business dealings with Paul Manafort. Folks, I know this sounds complicated. It doesn't need to be. What you need to understand is this. They took a movie script they wrote 12 years ago with the same actors, the same players, and just replace the name of the movie with Christopher Steele rather than Glenn Simpson to make it appear that the information they were fabricating out of whole cloth, the Alpha Bank connection, uh, you know, Furtash being like some kind of Trump carve out. All of this stuff is garbage. It was made up. None of it. None of it is true. All right. I've got a couple other quick takeaways. Let me just get through this fast because this is important. we got good sponsors that take care of the show. They like to be here and talk to you. i got one more final sponsor, and then I want to fire through some other stuff, including some troubling video, MSNBC losing their mind, Joe Biden still lying, and Mueller in a world of trouble. Finally, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. GenuCell. Listen, we love GenuCell. You look in the mirror, you see that turkey neck, you see fine lines, you don't need any of that stuff. Go with GenuCell. They make great products. My family loves them. My wife loves them. My mother-in-law loves them. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, people look at your jawline. It simply tells your age. Here's Cheryl from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Wow, the very first time I tried GenuCell, I could immediately feel a tightening sensation. I've been using it for a week, and the results are visible. My jawline looks so much younger. Using MDL technology and Chamonix's proprietary base, GenuCell's new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin around the neck and jaw for tight, tight, healthy, younger-looking skin. Results guaranteed or 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Order now, and the classic GenuCell for bags and puffiness is free with your order. 
And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, GenuCell Immediate Effects is also yours free. Check this stuff out. I'm telling you, my mother-in-law loves this. She can't speak highly enough about it. No double chin, no turkey necks, no sagging jawlines because no one needs to know your age. Go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. Enter Dan25. That's Dan25 at checkout. Get your two free gifts and free express shipping. Visit GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Check that out. You will not regret it. Okay. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I know the camera angles aren't ideal today. We're working out plan B and stuff for road shows in the future. So if you want to check it out on YouTube, it's actually pretty funny to watch how we get these things done in hotel rooms. So Paul and I have to travel with a whole boatload of equipment. So go to youtube.com slash Bongino. We do put a lot of work in it. Paul is like, you stop. Your face is getting cut off. So sorry. like You're going to get like the half. You're going to get like Max Headroom. Remember Max Headroom? Those eh? <laughs> Remember that? Was that Coca-Cola or something? Max Headroom is? Okay, moving on. A couple other takeaways from the or 302s, and I want to move on. Just two quick things. Uh, what, what we'll get to, I think, a little more on Monday and Tuesday and next week, because I still have to go through all of them. It's a pretty lengthy document or spoke to them for six months, and there's a lot of juicy information. Uh, but one of the takeaways from there is Orr's relationship. Strike that. Orr's relationship with Steele obviously was, long, was more prolonged than either Orr or Steele had let on. But Steele's relationship with the State Department, ladies and gentlemen, is a lot more detailed than anybody wanted you to know. Christopher Steele apparently was talking to the State Department for a very long time. Now, why is this critical? Because, folks, Steele interviews with Kathleen Kavalek of the State Department right before they signed the FISA warrant. The FBI signs the initial FISA warrant. And the information he gives to Kathleen Kavalek cannot possibly be true. Apparently, he met with Kavalek multiple times, and the relationship with the State Department and other officials, Jonathan Weiner and Victoria Newland, was a little bit more sophisticated than we thought. Well, not here. We knew this from the start. We've been talking about this information laundering operation for a long time. But folks, he was laundering it through the State Department while the State Department was simultaneously sending memos to the FBI questioning Steele's credibility. Why is that important? Remember that footnote I told you about that appears in these FISA warrants? There is no derogatory information about Steele. Folks, Steele told Kathleen Kavalek this operation was being run out of the uh, Russian consulate in Miami. There is no Russian consulate in Miami. He told, uh, he told Kavalek that he was getting his information from two Russian intel sources. I thought this was about investigating Russian collusion. Folks, this is a big, big story. The State Department knew there were problems with Steele. One final takeaway from this, I want to move on to a big problem with Mueller on this Paul Sperry piece. Folks, they were using Christopher Steele after the FBI told us they had already dismissed Christopher Steele. This is a big problem, obviously. This one does, this is the easiest takeaway of all. They, and I quote, the FBI got rid of Steele in November, or says they did, and said he was, quote, not suitable for use because of leaks to the media and other things. Well, folks, that's not possible if Steele was still dealing with Bruce Orr, who was giving the information to Joe Pianca, the FBI, well past November of 2016. So you can't be not suitable for use and then swear out three FISA warrants, three renewals and an original based on a source exclusively who you already deem not suitable for use. This is going to be a big, big problem from the FBI going forward. Okay, let's move on to the second piece, Real Clear Investigations. Um, excellent, excellent piece uh, by Paul Sperry over there. It'll be in the show notes. It is worth your time. Folks, Bob Mueller's in a world of trouble. So remember the second takeaway from before, the Mueller investigation from the start. The entire purpose of that investigation was to do one thing, 
The purpose of that investigation was to put meat on the bone of the fake movie script story and make the players, players in that movie script story, the actors look like bad guys. Mueller was never investigating Russian collusion. Now, read this real clear piece. It's titled Mueller tied to double deception, first in court, then before Congress. This guy is in a world of trouble, folks. What happened? In Mueller's indictment of these Russian troll farms that were engaged in social media operations to to influence the election in the United States, Mueller gave a, basically intimated in this Mueller report, the Mueller, what I call the Mueller op-ed, you you can, you know, it's called the Mueller report, obviously, but it's an opinion piece is what it is. Mueller hinted in this Mueller report that these Russian troll farms were connected to the Russian government. Follow me, Paula, stop me if this doesn't make sense, because this is important. Mueller had to make a connection between a formal government-run influence operation in the United States with Russia and the Trump team, because he's there to make the Trump team look bad. Even though he couldn't establish a formal connection, he wanted to make sure he he wrote about it to make make this Russian influence operation look bigger than it really was. So you had this troll farm that was basically setting up social media posts. They were Russian in the United States to influence the election. Folks, the problem is there's no evidence they were working for the Russian government. The only evidence we have now is it was some private Russians that were engaged in some kind of social media operation. We don't know what their motivation was. It may very well be, in fact, they were working for the Russian government. There's no evidence of that now. But that's not what Mueller said in the Mueller report. Well, what's the problem? Well, folks, the people involved in that Russian troll farm operation have already said, we want to go to court. We think this is BS. What we think we were doing was perfectly legal. I'm not suggesting it is. I'm just suggesting they are presumed innocent like anyone else in our system. You're going to be charged in a U.S. court. You're presumed innocent. You have the right to defend yourself. So understand what I'm saying. The Mueller report, these Russian trolls are working for the government. The Russian Russian trolls, we weren't working for the Russian government. Prove it in court. So there was a hearing the other day in this case, and Mueller was brought in front of Judge uh, Dabney Friedrich. And what happened? Well, we now have those court documents, and the judge told Mueller, you darn well better clear this up, because if you're going to prejudice a jury by saying you have information they're connected to the Russian government before the trial, you better produce it. Ladies and gentlemen, what happened the next day after these, we just found out about these court documents? The next day, Mueller comes out and gives that infamous press conference. Remember that? In front of the blue backdrop? He gave the nine-minute press conference and walked in. What did he say? Oh, everybody in this case is presumed innocent. He makes no mention whatsoever of his allegations that these Russians involved in the Mueller report were connected to the Russian government. Why would he do that? Because the judge called his BS. Now, if you don't mind, put up this transcript from Real Clear. This is Congressman Tom McClintock, a Republican, asking Mueller about just that. Keep in mind, Mueller's under oath. And listen to this dodge at the end. I'm going to read this for you. This is how Mueller dodges this. The question basically is, hey, listen, McClintock says to him, your report famously links Russian internet troll farms with the Russian government. Yet, at a hearing on May 28th in the Concord Management IRA prosecution that you initiated, that's the troll farm company, the judge excoriated you and William Barr, who publicly recited Mueller's claims from the report, for producing no evidence to support this claim. Why did you suggest Russia was responsible for the troll farms when in the court you've been unable to produce any evidence to support it? Mueller, well, I'm not going to get into that any further than I already have. Folks, Mueller's lying. 
Mueller, Weissman, and, and the, the, the hack alleged lawyers who put together this Mueller report basically fabricated this connection, or if they have this connection and evidence of it, they've yet to show it to anybody else between the troll farms and the Russian government. Mueller gave that press conference the next day to cover his butt in front of a judge that basically ripped him a new one for going public on a case he had no evidence at, he had produced no evidence to substantiate. Mueller's in a world of trouble, folks. And again, additional evidence that his only purpose was to save the reputation of the DOJ. Make a connection between these Russian troll farms and the government. We can just say, you know, collusion may not have happened, but the Russians are really bad people. They are. They don't like us. But Mueller's job was to save the reputation of the DOJ. It was not to prove Russian collusion. All right, moving on. Oh, boy, this is really a sick interview. Uh, MSNBC, you know, Red State has this piece up. It's interesting. I'll put it in the show notes today about how the media crossed the line this week and the line. I, I, I like Red State and it's a really good piece worth your time, but I, I don't know if they crossed the line. I think media crossed the line a long time ago, but I do agree with their assertion that there's really no turning back. It's beat by a piece by Bonchi. It's called the media crossed the line this week and there's no going back. Red State be up in the show notes. Very good piece. And it discusses situations like this, which we saw on MSNBC this week which are so beyond disturbing. Here is a, a quick montage of MSNBC hits by Malcolm Nance, who is um, an interesting character, to say the least. And then Mika Brzezinski and, uh, and what's Joe, Morning Joe. What's his last name? Scarborough? Joe Scarborough, uh, just losing their minds at MSNBC. Check this out. This country has had several of these mass incidents, but I think we're overdue for a Brevik-style real massacre of a political nature. And as Cynthia said, these people feel that they are the foot soldiers and executors of, of what the disenfranchisement that the white race is feeling. And Donald Trump is giving them subliminal orders in their head. They are no different than the mobilized, you know, self-starting, radical, self-radicalized terrorists of ISIS here in the United States and Europe who take cars and drive down streets. Now, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, yeah. but there are a lot of things he can do. But he won't. And so you have to ask the question, Joe. And I'll ask you, isn't it OK to deduce that at this point, this is what he wants? He is inciting hatred, inciting violence, inciting racism. If he doesn't unequivocally call it off and say this is wrong and we stand together against this and we are doing this this and this to help fight hate crime i mean this is a president who seems to want these things to happen so did you get it did you get that malcolm nance uh, let me just tell you about malcolm nance okay my wife and i unfortunately met malcolm nance um, at a Politicon convention in California in a courtesy van they given us back to the hotel. It's a political convention for people on both sides of the political aisle. I, I didn't, I honestly, I'm not being silly, but I had no idea who he was. He just started talking on the bus. Um, and I don't, Paul, you remember that conversation where he claimed to know how every black voter in the United States was going to vote? Um, he said he, he speaks for black voters, which I found interesting because I had no idea who this guy was. I'm, I'm really, I didn't know he was an official representative of the black community. Um, you know what? Shame on me for thinking that black voters are like every other voter and think for themselves. I mean, what was I crazy? Um, he then, I'm not kidding. I asked him how he knew what every black voter was going to think. And he seemed puzzled by the question, why I would dare question. This guy is not um, right. I can just leave it. He was, and he was so annoying on the bus that I think a couple of people uh, turned up the volume in their earphones uh, to shut him out. Now showing you how just did some of the stuff he says is just completely insane. 
that first piece on MSNBC is telling. Mika Brzezinski and Joe lose their minds all the time. That's pretty typical. But what's stunning about this is Nance suggests that the president is using subliminal messages to com- communicate with white supremacists. Um, one, the, that whole line is ridiculous, obviously. But ladies and gentlemen, have you ever known the president to speak subliminal, subliminally about anything? Um, one thing about the president of the United States, President Donald Trump, he does not speak in code, okay? Donald Trump just speaks and says whatever's on his mind. The idea that he's a racist is absurd in and of itself. Nance is the real idiot for saying that. He's just making that up because he has nothing else to say. The guy is really, I'm telling you, a troubled guy. But that the president speaks subliminally is, is frankly hysterical. One of the dumbest things you'll ever see on TV. I just wanted to put that out there because they're still losing their minds. Now, that's going to lead into this next cut here. Speaking of the media not doing their job during this election cycle and feeding into this propaganda nonsense that Trump is a racist, here again is Joe Biden. Hat tip Joel Pollack, by the way, who confronts him on this. Joel Pollack confronts Joe Biden finally on the Charlottesville lie. We discussed this on, was it yesterday's show? It's important you check that out. The lie that the president was referring to white supremacists when he said about the Charlottesville incident um, and the, uh, the murder of Heather Heyer, that he was talking about good people on both sides that he was referring to white supremacists. He did not say that. So Joel Pollack confronts him and watch Joe Biden, spineless, character-free, corrupt Joe Biden. He's got his own Ukraine problems. We discussed often Ukraine keeps creeping up in this. Amazing. Joe Biden and his son's uh, very questionable dealings in Ukraine. He's got his own issues. But here's Joe Biden repeating again, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the lie that Donald Trump was calling white supremacists very fine people. Their veins bulging. He said specifically yeah, that specifically. he was condemning them. He no, said, he did he not. Said, he said he walked out and he said, let's get this straight. He said there were very fine people in both groups. They're chanting anti-Semitic slogans, carrying flags. Are you aware of that? Okay. Thank you. I don't know what to tell you, folks. The quote is there, the transcript of Donald Trump's post-Charlottesville speech for any sane person to read. Now, I'm not suggesting radical liberals are sane or interested in sanity. I'm just suggesting if you're interested in truth, you may want to look at the transcript as we covered on yesterday's show in that PragerU video clip you can see in whole in yesterday's show notes. Donald Trump clearly, clearly says, I am not referring to these white supremacists. He, He, quote, completely condemns them. I don't know how completely condemning a group of people is calling them very fine people. The answer is it isn't, but we're not dealing with rational people. And Joe Biden is a really shameful, spineless uh, leech for doing this. He really is. It's really disgusting. And he is doubling and tripling that. And folks, uh, again, I put this in, in, in with the media block of the show and there's media pieces by MSNBC because I'm asking just any entrepreneurial reporter out there to do their homework and show Joe Biden the transcript and add, highlight it. Ask him this, anyone, everybody be nice about it. We're not violent liberals. You know the deal. Violent libs can do their own thing. We'll do this the right way. Show him a copy of the transcript. Highlight the I completely condemn them part where he's talking about the white supremacists there. Highlight it and ask him if he thinks that transcript's a fake. Ask him. Watch Sleamy, it's a slizy, slimy, sleazy, slimy. You get the hint. Joe Biden. Try to wiggle his way out of that. (sighs) All right. Last story of the day, ladies and gentlemen, from Forbes. We've been talking about this all week. I just want to wrap up on the China situation because it's important. And we did a pretty deep dive on uh, Thursday's show about China. I warned you about China, that Trump has them in a corner and China can talk tough all they want. 
But when China loses those factories, here we see this Forbes piece, Kenneth Raposa is the senior contributor there. More U.S. companies seen leaving China after September. Uh, check this piece out. It'll be in the show notes today. I had said to you that China and the trade war against China, the tariffs, because they're stealing our intellectual property, how in the short term there's going to be significant pain, but long term we can rearrange our international trading relationship with a partner that's become very parasitic and not symbiotic. They're stealing our stuff, folks. They're stealing our IP and they're engaged in extremely unfair trade practices on our end. I'm not a terrorist guy, but sometimes you have to get these blunt weapons. What's the problem? As these tariffs increase the price of Chinese goods imported into the United States, these companies are not willing to pay the tariff anymore. These multinationals are taking their factories and pulling them out of China and putting them in Vietnam, putting them in Mexico. Let me tell you something. Those factories are not going back there. The Chinese are in a panic. They are being hollowed out right now, exactly what they did to our manufacturing base. They are being hollowed out, and there's going to be, they're going to reach a point of no return soon. I'm telling you, they're starting to panic here, ladies and gentlemen. There is simply no way they can continue this. Keep on the heat. I know it hurts short term, but keep the heat on, and eventually they're going to break. They're trying to outlast us through the next election. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right, folks, a little bit of an abbreviated show today, but this is a lot of good information. I will definitely be back with you on Monday. I'm more on these Bruce Orr 302s. Please tune into the 5 today, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. I appreciate it. And Hannity's show tonight at 9 p. where I'll be guest hosting. We'll be bringing it. Of course, you will not be disappointed. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.